Now, a little bit confusingly, the king of Corinth is named Creon, but this is a totally <laughs> different Creon than we the Creon yeah, from Antigone <laughs> and the Creon from Oedipus. Different Creon entirely. Everyone and welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. We're thrilled that you are with us for week three of our themed month. We are over the halfway point in our conversations on ancient Greek plays. It's been fantastic so far, and we've read one really obscure play and one really well-known play, one comedy and one tragedy, and now we're going to do a little bit of mirror work and do a tragedy right. and then a comedy. Right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going into a new playwright, though, with this one. Um, uh, Euripides is, is the playwright that we're talking about today, a first place winner at one of the Dionysian festivals. Uh, <laughs> but not for this play. <laughs> <laughs> but not for this play, because uh, we were talking about Medea this week. Yeah, Medea, I'm sure I'm stealing from your context, but it's, it's definitely Euripides' best known play. Uh, it, it's a really, really popular one of the the ancient Greek plays, kind of considered one of the masterpieces. It's a play I, I've, I've read a long, long time ago and have read many times since then, and I've always had this sort of strange affection for, despite it being just a very sad play. Very, yeah, a sad, brutal play, as, as many of the tragedies yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, as, as I think as we get into the conversation, I think there's just so many themes in this play that proves that it, that it has staying power. Hour, um, kind of in a sad way that that yeah. society continues to do this to to parts of society, but but yeah, we'll get into that as as we get into the conversation. Absolutely, but before we start talking about Medea, we do want to ask all of you out there who are not yet supporters on Patreon to seriously consider it. Again, the theme month is a great month for you to become a supporter because it's one of those things that represents what No Script is. So over on Patreon.com/slash No Script Podcast. You can choose a tier of support level. That becomes just a monthly dollar amount that you give through Patreon to support the costs of running the show. We love doing the show. We love theme months. We love the programming we do in non-theme months. It's a great project. It's a great passion project, really, for us. But we are not rich, and it is not free. When you combine those two things, what you get is that we need financial support to be able to make this show happen. Um, there are great financial supporters already. Many of you out there support the show. We're so thankful for that. It's, it is the reason why we are able to continue to do the show and do things like this original Masters Month where we're talking about ancient Greek plays. If you're not a supporter yet, please consider it patreon.com slash podcast. Again, you choose that tier amount. That gets you access to the patron-only posts. You'll get to know about what scripts are coming out much earlier than everybody else. We reflect sometimes in pieces of art and when we get to see shows. It's a lovely little uh, you know page that you can follow of our posts, and then um, you know that you are supporting us over here. So please consider it. Again, thank you to everybody who is already a supporter. And now, back to the script. Back to the script. Here we go. So jumping in, Medea was first performed in 431 BC, as near as they can tell, um, at the City of Dionysia Festival. Uh, as Jacob said at the beginning, it won third place of three plays, so it, it, it won it won last place. <laughs> it, and you know what? It, it's interesting. You, you read all this stuff about the history of the play and the life of it, and you get these sort of two worldviews. One of them is that today we recognize it as one of the masterpieces, but at the time, people didn't really like it. And then there's this alternative view that just says that year was probably like the best festival uh, competition there ever was. Supposedly yeah. Sophocles says that was the toughest year of competition that he remembers. It was a lot of really fine work. And so something like Medea that has gone down in history as one of the masterpieces, only one third. And it was yeah, grouped yeah. with other plays, of course. It wasn't Medea on its own up again. They were performed in these groups. So maybe the other plays were really bad. And this one's shown <laughs> through. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? But yeah, you're absolutely right. That festival had Sophocles, who, as we know, is Aristotle, 
formed his basis of tragic theater off of his plays. We have Euphorion, who is the son of Aeschylus, who was the, you know, the person who Sophocles learned how to write tragedies from. So, so yeah, the a stacked festival that Euripides was in. Um, <laughs> um, and and, and uh, the play then, so after it was performed there, uh, it, it kind of fades away from our lexicon for a while, but it pops back up then in first century Rome, when Rome is putting on tragedies. And uh, they do the adaptation work, they put it on, and then that continues a long history, essentially, of any m- most theater cultures doing revisions of this play and and kind of returning to it, returning to the themes of it. It's it's based in the myth um, that starts with Jason and the Argonauts. If you know that myth, these these adventurers who go off to steal the Golden Fleece from this uh, the nation of Croilos, I'm going to say, and that's going to be wrong, but it's close to those letters. Um, and uh, uh, she and uh, Medea is the princess of that nation. She falls in love with Jason and returns after having killed her. Her brother uh, to help his escape. Um, this story picks up after those events and kind of joins into the mythos of the Jason and the Argonaut storyline, but uh, through the uh, view of Medea. Yeah, so it, it, it's obviously it's been around for thousands of years, and the story you're about to hear is probably still going to be uh, pretty impactful, I would think, and that's one of the reasons why it has stuck around and is considered one of those masterworks. So. This play is different from another tragedy like um, Antigone or Oedipus Rex in that instead of there being like a central conflict between characters and a struggle over, you know, which of those characters is going to win on some sort of issue um, in the sense of Oedipus and they're trying to discover, you know, what is infecting the city of Thebes and it ends up being his crime or in Antigone where Creon and Antigone go head to head to figure out about this burial of Polynices. This play is, is a revenge tragedy is basically how it works. So as Jackson just kind of set up, Medea and Jason are married before the story start of the play they are living in Corinth and Medea is not a Greek uh, Jason married her and they have moved to Greece to, to the nation state of Corinth um, but Medea is not a uh, Greek herself the the several of the translations that I have engaged with in preparation for this use the term barbarian obviously that's going to have some kind of laden things nowadays but not a Greek is important she's an other she's an outsider and the start of the play we learn from Medea's assistant nurse, whatever you want to call it, that Jason has decided to abandon his marriage vows to Medea and their two children and marry the daughter of the king of Corinth, the nation state they're now living in. Now, a little bit confusingly, the king of Corinth is named Creon, but this is a totally <laughs> different Creon than we the Creon yeah, from Antigone <laughs> and the Creon from Oedipus. Different Creon entirely. This Creon is king of Corinth, and he, again, he has a daughter, and Jason's going to now marry this daughter, the princess, uh, and so that has sparked the events of this play. But all that has been established prior to the text. We open with Medea's nurse assistant basically telling us what has happened, that this is all happening, and now Medea is in this terrible state, being abandoned by her husband, being abandoned with their children. What's going to happen to them now? Um, What happens is Medea basically plotting revenge over the course of the play. In this Greek tragic formatting, this is alternating, you know, two-person basically scenes between different courts interludes. In this play, the chorus is a chorus of Corinthian women. And I think that that is particularly interesting. I want to talk about that, the chorus of Corinthian women as opposed to Medea, who is not Greek, not Corinthian, being the central protagonist of the play. A couple of the kind of conflicting actions that help to drive the play along. Um, Creon arrives as the, one of the first kind of encounter scenes and tells her, not only is Jason abandoning you and your children to marry my daughter, but I am also exiling you from Corinth entirely uh, because you've been threatening revenge against my family and Jason because he's abandoning you. Because of all this violent stuff you've said, I am exiling you from Corinth. 
The problem for Medea is that she has no friends left. She abandoned her family to marry Jason and come to Greece, and she also has helped Jason to do some pretty nefarious deeds in other parts of Greece that have left other parts of Greece not friendly to her as well. So she really doesn't have anywhere to go if she gets exiled from court. She pleads her case a little bit. She rails against Creon a little bit. Eventually, she convinces Creon to let her stay one more day rather than literally being walked out of Corinth at that moment. Creon's a little hesitant, but agrees to it, much to his doom. Because right. Medea basically <laughs> says, Great, in this one day, I'll exact all of my revenge and kill you all. Yeah. And that is basically what happens. Uh, Jason comes by and basically says, I'm really doing this for you. If I marry the princess of Corinth, then our, our children and you're going to, you could have stayed and been my mistress, you know, basically. And I could have taken care of you and our children. They would have had royal brothers and sisters. It's really for you. And Medea says, that is a bunch of baloney. I hate you. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they go back and forth for a while. Eventually, uh, Jason takes off. And uh, again, this is all choral interludes between. Comes by Aegeus, who is actually king of the nation state of Athens, again, also in Greece. And Aegeus is friendly to Medea. And Medea makes Aegeus swear on the gods, take a binding oath to take her in and protect her. Basically, no matter what is the implied oath, and that becomes important given the no matter what that happens later on. Aegeus is infertile, and Medea has medicinal and potentially magic sort of powers, so she has said she is going to cure Aegeus' infertility in exchange for this oath. Aegeus goes off, and so begins the revenge plotting. Medea decides she is going to send her children these two young children with special gifts for Jason's new wife, basically as a makeup present, a Trojan horse, if you will. And the children's, the gifts that they bring are going to be poisoned with what appears to be, to me, magic poison. I don't know yeah. really any other way around it. It's not regular poison, it's magic poison. And the magic poison is going to kill the new bride and anybody who touches her, and then the children are going to come back and Medea is going to kill them all in the name of revenge against Jason. She sends the children off with gifts. Uh, then we learn the children come back, and she's hesitant about whether or not to kill the children a little bit, but the deed is already done. The children are either now going to be killed by the Corinthians or by Medea, and Medea decides it's less cruel to kill them herself. In comes a messenger, the classic Greek messenger. Good old messenger. <laughs> terrible, gruesome, gory description. <laughs> description of the bride getting poisoned with this like burning her skin foaming at the mouth poison and then being lit on fire with like a magic fire that doesn't go out and her father the other creon you know the, uh, the king from this story creon of corinth grasps onto his daughter as she's dying but the magic poison makes his like flesh stick to her as he tries to pull away so he like pulls himself apart and he dies so they're dead the children have come back Medea has gone into the house now Jason comes to say what in the world have you done I am here to basically get my revenge on you for killing my bride and her father and to protect our children from you because you're clearly crazy. However, Jason has come too late. Medea has come into the house, has killed her children, and she appears above the house in a flaming chariot. <laughs> Talk about your deus ex machina. Literally saved by the gods is Medea. She appears above the house in a flaming chariot. She and Jason have some back and forth debate about who's really at fault in all this. It seems obvious, doesn't it? But they disagree. <laughs> and Medea eventually takes off and the chorus reflects uh, on the basically the randomness of what the gods do is sort of the kind of end reflection from the chorus. Now, what I didn't say was in these choral interludes between the play, the chorus is kind of going back and forth. They're a chorus of Corinthian women, so they're sympathetic with Medea's plight about how a man has abandoned her, you know, put her under his power and then absolutely abused and disparaged and left her behind. But they also are not sure they're on board with the killing her children thing, understand. So they right. go back and forth debating her, debating each other, talking about the, the notion of gender relationships and power throughout all those choral interludes between the scene. 
And that is the joyful, happy sunshine play of Medea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of death, a lot of really awful killing, uh, but and also just a lot of uh, kind of fam- fam- family oppression and drama yeah. that circles around. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not a light play. Um, I do. I do want to address just a little bit. You, you mentioned it a bit. This this like weird magical element uh, of Medea, right? Because there's. There's, you know, the gods are involved. There's a chariot. She has some sort of bloodline connection to the gods. I believe Helios is like her great grandfather or something like that. Um, she is in general kind of uh, feared by characters for her uh, lineage. Uh, in in one one version of the myth, she's a priestess of the goddess Hecate, uh, and and so so there's all this like magic around her. These 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 powers that she has, and yet. You don't see a lot of like direct magic from her in the play other than like maybe the cursed dress that she sends off. Yeah, right. When when Creon comes to visit her in that first scene, one of the reasons he says definitely you're exiled, you can't stay here is because of all these threats she's making. And then he says, "And you're a well-known witch." You right. have magic powers. Now, different translations, of course, translate that differently. In one translation I read, he says, like, you're you're known to be clever in the arts or whatever. So, I, you know, I don't know which is maybe a little bit of a loose translation. But the idea is she is known to have um, some power here. It, it, it's probably a knowledge of medicine and herbs combined with the kind of priestess relationship with the gods to be able to do things like curse dresses and call a winged flaming chariot to rescue her in her hour of need. But, you know, when Aegeus the king is there, he, he totally believes that she can cure him of his infertility. Right. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. The people, different characters all have this kind of running knowledge of the power of Medea. And that's the the kind of difference in her character. And I think some of the tension between uh, the 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 chorus of Corinthian women and her is she is this outsider by virtue of culture, but also by virtue of power. She actually has a lot of personal power that the, you know, male dominated society is afraid of. So, so in, in this situation, she has, she has both the, she is, she is othered for her culture and she's othered for her power as she's negotiating inside of this system. Right. And so this is why Medea is considered by some people although it's it's certainly a debate to be one of the earliest examples of like a feminist piece of drama or literature or art that we have right the char- the central character is a woman in a society oppressed by men and she is uh, aggrieved by that. She uh, fights against that and ultimately succeeds against that, which is yeah. really sort of the crucial codpin in all this is that, you know, as opposed to like, uh, like Aeschylus is like the Oresti, there's also some of this like men versus women power imbalances. But at the end of the Oresti, the male dominated culture is reestablished. The the men win in the end, right? Right. And that right. is definitely not true here, right? Medea, no. lifted up by the gods at the end of the play, you would think Euripides' telling of this story is saying that the gods have sided with Medea. Yeah, absolutely. It, the, the, the 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 moment at the end of the play, I think, throws all of that into the possibility of it, of, it, of it being true that the gods pick Medea in spite of the fact of all the atrocities that she's done. In spite right? of the fact that she kills her children. <laughs> yeah, which like begs the question: What are the themes like if if the gods are being held up as this this moral code, right? That 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 the Athenians who are watching the play are meant to aspire to, um, right? This this I mean, Medea is coming to Athens on this chariot from Helios. So, so you, you know that, that, that the Athenians are receiving this message in some way. Um, like that, what is the moral code that is being suggested in that Medea is the one elevated, uh, leaving, leaving uh, Jason in Corinth with his world shattered? Well, right. And, and so that, that moral, what, what outlook the gods have of the situation that has occurred between Medea and Jason is, is what, they, what Medea and Jason debate as she's standing on a flaming chariot over him <laughs> in the end scene. I, talk about a power move. 
move. If you're right, going to debate right. something with somebody, do it standing on a flaming chariot in the sky. You will appear much more powerful. Right. But so that's what they'd end up debating. It's not like the the rightness or wrongness of the children dying is not really a question. Everybody agrees that's a great tragedy. What Medea and Jason debate is ultimately whose fault is it that the children died and that all this other tragic stuff occurs. And Jason makes what seems to us a, uh, us generally, uh, a, a, a fairly decent point, which is like, (laughs) I didn't force you to kill your children. (laughs) I mean, I did stuff that was probably wrong, but like, I didn't force you to kill your children. (laughs) And Medea has a sort of a larger point about the kind of world that Jason creates, the kind of wrong that he has done to their entire family. The fact that he made something like this inevitable ultimately is his fault. Right. It's it's again kind of if, if to harken back to our conversation about Antigone, she is again kind of calling out to this older rule, right? Like the 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 older rules of like you don't just like leave your wife to go marry a younger wife in in this particular society. Um, and 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 the 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 blame that she lays at Jason's feet as a result of his choice to do that, to leave her behind after all that she'd sacrificed. I mean, she killed her brother for him. Uh, she had uh, children with him and, and all that she's given up for him. He kind of, th- he throws that away and she sees that as kind of the breaking of, of a, a code older than, than I guess the code of, 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 uh, the life of her children. I don't know. I've wandered into something that I'm not a fan of, but <laughs> <laughs> she's got a really lovely accusation that she makes against Jason, um, when, when he comes the first time and she says, basically, look, you made all these oaths by the gods I, and, and different translations, of course, translate a different way. But the line is basically like, I guess I'm confused. Do you think the gods no longer are going to hold you to those oaths? Do you believe you have the power to just decide not to do them anymore? That you're powerful enough to undo the oaths you made before the gods? This is yeah. going to come down on your head. You have broken oaths that you have made in the God's name. And that really is sort of, I think, the point that Medea is kind of coming around to at the end, right? She calls him an oath breaker, treacherous, are the words that she uses in that final debate with Jason, that there is some sort of higher um, honor, higher tie that has been broken by Jason first, and that has led to calamity at the hands of the gods, of which Medea herself, she is trying to make the argument, is just an instrument. And that argument is bolstered again by the flying chariot. Exactly. <laughs> like, again, hard to argue with the fact that the god is there listening to, <laughs> to this argument. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think, I think there's, there, there is something, uh, some, of the, some of the research I did around this is uh, around the message of the play and what it's trying to talk about is along those lines, right? Like, what, what you do in terms of your family structure, in terms of how you treat the people of your household has echoes and has rules uh, that are based in the oaths that you've made that should not be broken and so the this is this is kind of a, a gaming out in the you know for, in in the public forum of theater a gaming out of what would happen if someone did break those vows and and uh, their their wife was a character who decided to do something about it yeah and the other thing that is interesting in sort of the character of Medea is this this sort of line that that the Greeks I think were especially fascinated by where certain characteristics certain life experiences can make you great and certain life experiences can sort of turn you into a monster and Medea is a person that has been humbled by the gods that has experienced quite a bit of suffering that has been wronged and is now you know a person who is in theory could be in the right and instead, all of that has turned her into something of a monster. I mean, I don't think we are meant to side with Medea at the end of the play. I'm not sure we're really meant to side with anybody. It's tragedy, but right, you know, right, I, right. I don't. I don't know that we're supposed to go. Yeah, Medea was definitely right to kill her children. But I do think we're meant to reflect on 
you know, the 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 path that Medea might could have taken, right? And the same thing right. for Jason. The the all of these life experiences being laid to these important decision moments where he becomes prideful, arrogant, uh, what does she call him, right? Oath-breaking, treacherous, all of that, instead of ennobling him and him becoming something better. Hmm, yeah, yeah. I think I think that is the that is the goal of this play, right? Is to show um, where where people went wrong, <laughs> right? The the moments where you would pick something differently, and through your experience of pity and fear and catharsis, you remember it next time that you have the chance to pick it. Um, and also, I, I, while I agree we're not supposed to side with Medea or or like say, ooh, yeah, that's the way I'm going to live my life. Um, I think the the better versions. I've seen a couple different versions of this play and read it now. Uh, for uh, ahead of this podcast and back in college for classes and stuff, I think the 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 way that this play works pretty well is while you don't you don't um, you don't uh, you don't agree with the choice of Medea, but I think some of the better productions you say, "Huh, I see how you got there," <laughs> or 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 more like. Um it's it's pity, right? I mean that mm-hmm. that is the core response yeah. to tragedy that is intending to be evoked by the ancient Greeks is pity. And I think when you see a play like Antigone or Oedipus Rex and you have especially the strong male king-like protagonist who is humbled by the gods, the pity is, oh, your bad choices have led you low. And right, right. then Medea is a sort of another version of that pity reaction where you say the terrible circumstances that you have endured have put you in this position where there are no good things that can come anymore. And there is a pity reaction as well, right? We don't have to approve of Medea's decisions in order to say, I empathize with the situation that you have found yourself in due to things that were, in a lot of cases, outside of your control entirely. Right, yeah, and you see that over and over in the scenes as they build, right? Oh, this this play is uh, exclusively, I believe, exclusively constructed of scenes with Medea one other, and one other person, with the exception of the chorus interludes, um, which is which is not always the case um, in, in Greek tragedies. Every one of these scenes Medea is in, and character by character, with the exception of perhaps Aegeus, who uh, provides a way out for her, um, over and over, you see her trying different uh, negotiation tactics, different ways of trying to uh, exert power in her spheres, and they're just rebuffed by Creon, by Jason, uh, and and uh, to the point that she just goes her own way. Hmm, that's an that is an interesting outlook. I think. I think my sense of the play is sort of the opposite outlook that the, the play is scene by scene Medea sort of masterfully achieving her aim. I mean, from the beginning of the play, she's out to get revenge by killing everybody. The children come into it later on, but we know that she's out to kill Jason, the new bride, and Creon from virtually the first time that we see her. And every scene that happens after we know that is another, uh, you know, another link in the chain forged and cooled hmm. so that the chain grows and grows and grows, right? Creon's there to exile her, and she even says after Creon has left, if he'd have thrown me out right then, my plans would be over. But he doesn't right. throw her out right then. She convinces him to let her stay that one more day. If Jason had seen how furious she truly was with him, how murderous he truly was, if he had taken his children from her right there, right, done at least some sort of duty by the family and taken the children and raised them, he would have foiled her plans, but he doesn't. If, That's if true. Aegeus had said, uh, you're kind of hated by everybody I know, I probably shouldn't take you in and protect you. Uh, and also, I'm not really sure you can make cure my infertility. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> you know, the plan would have been foiled. She has to have somewhere to go. But he didn't, right? I mean, I, I think scene by scene, we watch Medea succeed over and over against much more feeble-minded, frankly, stupider men. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that that I think that the 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 how you choose to play Medea has bearing on that, right? Like if Medea is this 
like from the beginning, you know, first scene, you take her monologue where she set, lays out her plan. She lays out her plan very early in the play. She kind of lets everyone know what's going to happen. And then if you view the scenes after that as the kind of cold, calculated um, uh, uh, moving forward of that plan, executing of that plan, then, yeah, kind of systematically, she manipulates a ton of people into making her plan work. Um, I wonder if there's room for the interpretation that she is slowly convincing herself through the whole play to do the final act at the end. And that each scene is a negotiation with other people trying to find another way out of, of the situation um, and, and trying, trying to press on it. She over and over through the play asks people that to ask Jason and Creon to let her sons stay in Corinth and just banish her. So that, that's, a, that's a repeating theme in multiple of the scenes is this request, just keep the kids and banish me. They didn't sin uh, against you or however you're, you're blaming me for this to banish me. Keep the kids, let me go. So I, I think there is also this element in the play of her slowly convincing herself uh, via the conversations that she has, um, that that this is in fact the only way that she can bring justice into into her relationship with Jason. This is uh, a quote from at least the translation I have in in paper in front of me, which is the James Morewood translation. This is Medea's first speech after entering stage. She has quite a bit of off stage lines. Um, Prior to coming on stage, you can hear her like moaning and chanting and wailing from the house. But eventually she makes her entrance and gives a long speech, a really wonderful speech to the chorus of Corinthian women. And this is the one of the things that happens right at the end. Um, she says, so I shall ask you to grant me this favor and no more. If I find some means, some scheme to take a just revenge for these evils on my husband and the man who gave his daughter to him and that daughter whom he married, I ask you to keep silence. In all other respects, a woman is full of fear and proves a coward at the sight of iron in the fight. But when she is wronged in her marriage bed, no creature has a mind more murderous. So there's a lot there, including a sort of problematic idea of, <laughs> of women and when they're brave and when they're not. That is uh, right. rings a little odd to us nowadays and, and should. However, what we definitely see is the... Uh, the inception of the murder scheme from the beginning. And, uh, and one of the things that becomes interesting for Medea is what you do with the fact that she kills her children. Because she does have uh, a moment of hesitation about that late in the play where she says, I love my children, which seems a little odd given that she's already planned to kill them. But that's the monologue that she has, right? I love my children. I don't really want to kill them. What? Why am I doing this? The problem for her is at that point, it's too late. And the realization that she comes to at the end of that, I'm wondering, I'm worried, should I do this? I'm conflicted. The realization she comes to there is they've already delivered the poison goods to the bride. That This is over now. Either the Corinthians will kill them or I will, and I can at least do it mercifully. Now, if Euripides had put that moment of hesitation earlier in the play, that might have changed the course of the story. But it, it right, doesn't come she, until it's yeah. too late. <laughs> she already put them in that situation right. by sending the present with them. But yeah, no, that's a good point of this kind of wa wondering, waffling, wondering whether, you know, especially in that moment, what is the more merciful thing? What is the best? Is, is it better to die at the hands of a, of a state in revenge for the killing of its king or at the hands of a mother? That's that's. That's a tough question in that moment. <laughs> well, and she it's it's interesting. She sort of changes her tone or her her plan, it seems to me, to suit the the sense of what she's trying to argue in the moment. Because at one point the children are more like um uh, an unfortunate but inevitable, unavoidable tool that she has to use to exact her revenge, right? As she's finally figured out where she's going to go, thanks to her manipulation of Aegeus, the king of Athens, and she's got all that settled, he swore on the gods to take her in no matter what, which is like, didn't you see at the time that that was a little bit of a manipulation, dude? But yeah. <laughs> he didn't, so he's sworn to take her in no matter what, and so she's got a place to go. Now she starts to figure out, well, how can I kill them? And she figures out that I 
really can't do anything because everybody's too suspicious of me. I'm not even really going to be able to get near the palace because they know that I'm out to kill everybody. So there's nothing I can do, but I can send my children. Oh, I'm going to have to. How terrible. And then once she sent them, she reflects, oh, no, now that I've sent them, there's really no choice but for them to die. So there's that point in the play where the children are more like an unavoidable tool that unfortunately are just going to be um, uh, collateral damage in the revenge plan against, which is bad enough. But then once they're dead and she's debating with Jason from the chariot, Jason says, why did you kill our children? And her response then is to cause you pain. The children have become part of the revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's I mean it's hard to avoid, especially especially that monologue at the end, the monologue partway through the play where she's talking about this is the thing he lives for. Um that the that his kids are the thing that he lives for, and so I, I'll be taking that from him uh and leaving him without that sort of that 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 grounding in life for him. It's hard to avoid the the knowledge that she uh willfully made the choice to kill her children to cause pain to Jason. Um, and that, that brings in the kind of interesting conversation around sanity of Medea. I think a lot of people, or not a lot of people, there is often a trap, I think. I'm, I'm revealing my own stance early. There is a trap in this play um, to think of Medea as insane or or something uh, uh, is is just off in her that, that she she has this kind of separation from from the emotion of killing her children and can thus be this 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 arbiter uh, sort of justice being that doesn't even that can't even feel the death of her children. Um, I've I've already revealed that I don't think that's a great way to play this. <laughs> um, I, I think she is very aware. She is through the whole play. She's weighing the pros and cons of it. She's trying to figure out what the best way forward is, and she pretty calculatingly decides to cause a lot of pain to Jason um, by the the killing of her kids. Yeah, and even the question of whether or not she is insane is kind of taken up by not only the the chorus of Corinthian women, but then everybody, as they slowly learn her plans, Jason eventually says, like, you're crazy after he learns everything, and and she says, I'm definitely not. Now, what has happened is that Medea has, has become enraged she already is sort of a a a passionate uh you know kind of almost aggressive in in like the sense of uh you know getting what she wants and so i mean that in a good way and that that's kind of who she is right that's how she landed herself in corinth with pretty much everybody else she's ever known hating her based on all of the backstabbing that she's done to get where she is and then you take that kind of a person and you do an incredible wrong to her and to uh your family you know if you're jason you don't honor oaths you put her in a really precarious situation and that is going to inflame some really deeply held feelings about the way that she's been treated and and that is what you get is this passionate response to real injustice Right. I mean, she the the region that she is from, the kingdom that she is from, just down the shore are the Amazons, right? So so the this the I think this is again the the othering of this play a little bit. Um she is a character who will not suffer the same sort of rebuke and and systemic systemic oppression that the women of Corinth suffer. Um the, the and I think that's interestingly brought out in her back and forth with the chorus. Right, and actually Jason says that explicitly. Once he's learned the great, terrible things that have been done, he says, oh, that I had not married this as barbarian women in the translations that I have encountered. And that's, of course, sort of problematic, but that's what he says. And that instead I had married a woman of Greece because a woman of Greece would never have done all of these things. And that one way to say that is, um, you know, the more problematic view of Jason about sort of civilized women are submissive. Athenian, Greece, uh, yeah. No right from wrong. And these people from these terrible countries they don't know anything about anything that's like the the gross jason view and then if you're medea what you say is the women that you have have grown up in this society are submissive and you have beaten them to the point where they are not going to rise up against injustice and i am not that person i am going to respond to wrong with wrong 
which is, of course, wrong in and of itself, right? This is a tragedy. Nobody's the hero at the end of this play, you know? <laughs> right. It's not like anybody's a good guy. Yeah. You know, in Oedipus Rex, like, who's the good guy at the end? Nobody is. They're all, many. some of them are more victims than others, but nobody's, like, the hero at the end of the thing. Antigone is a little bit in Antigone. That's maybe a more clear example. But this play yeah. is more like Oedipus Rex than Antigone. There's no hero or somebody that was right yeah well let's talk about that a little bit right so in the in the aristotelian tragic tragic hero structure right there's a couple things that happen to a tragic hero uh awful things first of all and uh they're banished from their 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 city the city is usually better off as a result of them being banished how does uh medea fit or not fit within that uh kind of structure of greek tragedy of tragic structure um and both both as a plot and and the kind of path of the plot and also as the character um, of, I, th- I think, Medea is our tragic hero, but again, not not a hero hero sort well, of Well, that's way. interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, the play's called Medea, but the play is also called Antigone. And Antigone's not the tragic hero in that play. Medea is m- more the central protagonist in this play than Antigone is in Antigone. But one of the things that, that scholars think maybe was part of the reason why this group of plays only won third place in the festival so long ago is that Euripides is both um, adhering to an older form than he maybe necessarily needed to in writing Medea, right? We've talked about the fact that in this play, the the stage actor-to-actor encounters are really only two people, these debate kind of forms. And really that's what it is. This character comes on and there's an argument, a debate back and forth between choral interludes. And that's a, that, that is not something that uh, Euripides needed to do given the forms of the time. That's a more simple play than other plays that would have probably been done at that festival in the time. So he's at once adhering to an older form, perhaps, but he's also breaking the rules a little bit, messing with some stuff, right? Medea is lifted up at the end of the play by the gods. Jason is railed down. And and so if you're looking for a tragic hero that more traditionally fits what you expect, Jason would be that tragic hero, right? He makes a terror he does a terrible thing in abandoning his oaths to the gods, and he has his is just deserts. He is humbled. His entire family is killed. He is left with nothing at the end of the play. Like all your great tragic heroes are left with nothing at the end of the play. But the the play is not really about Jason. The play right. is definitely about Medea. And she is lifted up by the gods. Yes, her children are killed and, and she has done all this terrible stuff, but she's got she's gonna go be protected in Athens forever. The gods have shown that they're on her side. So you have that odd thing. The chorus is an interesting step away from the kind of the conventions of the time, right? They're an undecided chorus. They're a chorus that is actually separate from Medea. That otherness of where Medea comes from has separated her from the chorus in a lot of ways. So th- there's different things that Euripides is doing with the this form that we think some people think might have been part of the reason why uh, such a what we think of now as a masterpiece was only part of a third place group of plays. Right, right. It's it is interesting to kind of see the variations on the theme that are that are happening in it. Like the the nurse character is an interesting variation, um, who has quite a bit of lines um, that would normally, I think, at least in in my my uh, experience of the other plays, be like chorus lines or the choragos if you if you needed. And we like, don't really know whether the nurse is intended to be like the head of the chorus. It's because she's a female character, and so she potentially could be part of the chorus of Corinthian right. women, right? She's a Corinthian woman. And because we don't have stage directions in the, like, the original text, we don't know when the nurse is supposed to be on stage or off stage. So actually, different translations do different things with the nurse. Different translations, you'll see her going off stage during the chorus sections and then coming back on with news. In other sections, she's on for all of those dialogue scenes between two people and so she's not the third actor she's a member of the chorus and we don't really know what to make of the nurse without stage directions to help guide is she on stage is she in the scene or is she in the chorus is she in the house who is this character 
Right, right. And there's a couple interesting lines that I think provide at least an interesting backstory that I had fun with with her. In her first monologue, she calls uh, Medea my princess. And she tells the whole story of her leaving her her uh, home and how Jason had arrived and she regrets Jason had arrived with that Jason had never come or something like that is said. So it's an interest that there's the possibility that this character has come with Medea on the whole journey, that she's been along for the whole ride and been with her the whole time. And in that way, you have this kind of uh, a yes, still a chorus member, but it's 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 distinguished from the kind of council model that choruses have. Like in Antigone, it's this council of all elderly men of the state. In in uh, in Medea, it's the it's a it's a grouping of all the women of Corinth. Um, and and though the nurse is often there in those scenes, I think the potential is there to have her be this like odd other character that knows Medea, which adds a lot of weight to her fine uh, the 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 kind of forecasting that she does for the character, the kind of lamenting of what she sees coming because she's been with her for so long, seen all the pain, and knows a lot about her. It's just an an interesting other level to a characterization of what is traditionally the Korrigos or the chorus leader. Yeah, well, I want to spend what some time that we have left talking about the chorus itself because it is—it's a fascinating chorus. One of my favorite examples of the chorus across all of the ancient Greek plays. And what is so fascinating about it is their their lack of taking sides, their indecision, the fact that they are with Medea a little but not all the way, and that they are a group um, that has, there's a barrier between them and Medea. They are the women of Corinth, and she is a woman not even of Greece. And so they find some connections in some ways, but in other ways, there's some tension in that relationship. There is, yeah, uh, kind of over, over and over in the monologues, whether they're speaking to her or whether they're speaking about her. There's this uh, kind of tension there. The the lines that I have in my translation are: Would she but come to seek our faces that love her well and take to her heart the spell of words that speak? You know, there's this this longing from the chorus that that uh, Medea kind of join their ranks and, you know, and, and allow them to be this kind of commiserative, supportive community for her in the face of this ongoing oppression. And yet Medea will not because A, she, 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 uh, is, is, is from the outside. Um, but B, she is also more willing to stand up against the, the, the oppression that she is new into. And when you get to that point at the end of the play where the chorus really starts to push on Medea the you know the do, do not kill your children Medea right. please do not do this this is a really terrible thing surely they, we don't have to kill your children at the end of this you you get a feeling more like some of what you see in other greek plays where the chorus has turned against the the protagonist or the tragic hero because of like old Tiresias coming on stage or whoever and he's given a prophecy but in this case there really is no scene where a prophet comes on and reveals the rightness or wrongness of everything and turns the chorus who eventually turn the tragic hero. In this case, the the chorus is just, they are with Medea in her plight, but not in her path right they they agree with the wrongs that she've suffered they feel that themselves as women in a predominantly male dominated society they have some really beautiful chorus poetry chanting sections about the nature of gender and power relations and how ultimately unfair the situation is but they are not going to go with her into the world of and so i'm going to kill everyone including right. my children Right. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, they're not, they're not willing to cross that bridge. They're, they're also not willing to like get ahead of it either. Like there isn't the, like the chorus member, you know, in, in a more modern version of this, the chorus member runs off and grabs Jason just in time, et cetera. And all that. Um, they're, they're, they're not willing to kind of interfere with the plan they, they bring the news to Jason when Jason shows up that he's too late. Um, but they, 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 yeah, they're, they're not willing to, they're not willing to step in on either side. They're not willing to go as far as Medea. They're not willing to stop her either. Well, but 
that that's true, but it, I think you could um I think you could convict the chorus in some sort of moral judgment court because yeah. they do keep the secret, right? I mean, Medea has given her children gifts that are magically poisoned, and the chorus knows because pretty much from that quote that I read a long time ago from Medea at the beginning, she said, hey, keep this a secret, but I want to kill all of them. Keep that down, <laughs> but I'm going to kill them all. And then later on, she reveals her plan even more fully to them. I'm going to give my kids poison gifts. That's going to kill the bride, everybody else that touches her. Then my kids are going to come home, and I'm going to kill them. Don't tell anybody. And the chorus is like, I don't think you should do that. But they don't tell anybody. Jason yeah. comes on stage. The chorus is there. Anybody from the chorus could have said, uh, Jason, the gifts are magically poisoned. Don't take them to your wife or there will be a disaster. She's going to kill them. Why don't you take the children? Right? But they don't. They are accomplices in what occurs for sure, but they're accomplices that have real reservations about being accomplices. Hmm, it almost makes you wonder what happens to this. Yeah, <laughs> like, <right? laughs> like with everyone who's to blame gone, um, <laughs> they're they are, they're they're left kind of holding the bag in terms of who knew about what's what's happening. It's it, yeah, no, it's a, it, it's a it's an odd chorus in that way, right? Because in other you know in other uh, tragedies, oftentimes you think of the chorus as you know that now will will kind of either shelter the state onward or will kind of uh, help help uh, Creon from Antigone uh, recover from this loss and continue to guide Thebes forward. That's not really the 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 impression I get of this chorus. They're they're more just witnesses of well, the fact. Well, they're they they are actively involved, right, in keeping the secret. So unlike like the 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 pleading Thebians who are you know there's a terrible plight and they are before the palace of Oedipus begging Oedipus to solve it, and then they basically just stand around watch the rest of the play happen right. which is yeah. a great thing about the chorus right to stand around and watch is awesome we've talked about that and then they're not like the old men in antigone where they're they really just stand around and watch the whole play and finally when <laughs> Theresius comes on they're finally like i think you maybe should think of a loyalty to other than that they just kind of stand around and watch they're not so much actively involved in the plot like we just talked about, this chorus is actively involved in the plot. They keep the secret for Medea, and they strongly urge her against what she is trying to do. Ultimately, they do make her reconsider it. I don't think I should kill my children. You were right, but it's too late. Well, I think that's just about all the time that we have to talk about this particular play, Medea, Medea, Medea. We, we talked about how to say we this at the time of the show. We went back and forth a bunch. We lost it the and, whole time. You know what? I know some of you are annoyed with us right now because I said Medea, <laughs> but then sometimes I also said Medea, and Jason yeah. said something else, and it's, you know what? Live yeah. with it. <laughs> it happens, yeah. But we could. It's, it'd be so great to continue this conversation. We'd love to do that with all of you out there in podcast land. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the username at NoScriptPodcast. We also have the Gmail, NoScriptPodcast at gmail.com. This is a play that's done a lot, right? It's it's a Greek tragedy. Oftentimes shows uh, or excerpts of the show are done in competitions and stuff like that. So if you've been in the show, been a part of the show, read it, done or, or seen any of the versions that are out out there we'd love to keep having this conversation with you absolutely please recommend the podcast to your friends your family anybody that you know that likes theater that likes plays that likes scripts you can find us at podbean apple Podcasts, google play or spotify if you like us on facebook there's a link to the new episode every monday that you can just click and listen for the less technologically savvy folks in your life hope that you will join <laughs> us next week as we come to the last script in our master's month we'll discuss one more greek comedy the one everybody knows and loves good old lysistrata good old lysistrata so until then i am jackson nikolai i am jacob mann christensen thanks for listening to no script the podcast we'll see you